she was healthy. She was having a good time. She never complained of pain whatsoever. And then nine days later, she is found dead at home. Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez here with my co-host Brad Bigley and a very special guest. We were on the Union of the Unwanted recently and as soon as I heard this gal talk, I immediately knew I had to hear her story in full. She is on a, a great mission a mission that's been changing over time, but one that's absolutely relevant today and has a really important um, justice element to it that uh, is very specific and it takes a lot of courage. And I want to hear her story from beginning to end and bring it to you. Welcome. Thank you very much for your time and for joining us, Tina Marie. Thanks for having me. Oh, as my earbud falls out. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the, the world of podcasting. So, uh, yeah. So I just when I started to hear I had heard of your friend Brandy recently. I didn't really know the story. I'm not going to just dive in. I'm hoping that you can kind of start from the beginning. But first, I want to hear about your story and what you started, uh, how, what started you on this kind of path to having a public presence? Well, I'll give the quick version of the beginning part. I would say 23 years ago, my grandfather um, was diagnosed with cancer shortly after I had my second son and I, he didn't want to do chemo. And that I, and my family did not at all judge him for it. His point of view was it was, you know, poison and he was, wasn't going to be poisoned to death was how he looked at it. And I jumped in immediately believing that there's got to be a way, there's got to be, be a way to cure cancer. And so through that journey, I started to uncover lies within the cancer industry. And then it took me, I would say about 11 more years until I finally stumbled into the lies of the vaccine industry. And that was a huge eye opener for me. And I didn't know you weren't supposed to talk about it. So I would just tell people about it. I thought, wow, like I wish someone would have told me I would have never done this had someone warned me. And so I went several years just casually talking about it, didn't know you weren't supposed to. And most people didn't care. I mean, in person, I had no problems bringing it up with people. But then the Disneyland measles hit in California. And I clearly saw the pop propaganda that was playing out. I was like, they are fear mongering people in the papers with these lies to try, try to get them to take this vaccine. Like it was just so obvious to me, the lies that were playing out surrounding Disneyland measles. So I jumped into activism then like strong. And I started this group that was like a secret group that we still have. <laughs> and it was called Disneyland, the Disneyland platoon. And we would basically take articles online and we'd throw it in that group. And if someone was, if there was a misinformation article, we would put it in the group and then we'd go together to, to educate the about the truth of vaccines with either personal stories or independent science. Um, because my view was like, people like to be followers. They want to follow what the crowd is doing. And so I felt like I needed to create the illusion, but it's not really an illusion. There really are a lot of people that are not vaccinating. They just haven't been outspoken, but I needed to get them together under an article so that people could see there's lots of people that have this point of view. So we were doing that for a year or two. And then suddenly 
SB277, which I call BS277, in California struck. And I've never been into politics. I've always thought they're basically a bunch of criminals and I don't trust any of them and I wanted nothing to do with them. But this is the first time I thought, well, now this is going to affect my kids. They're going to get kicked out of school. SB277 was a bill that they were trying to pass that removed exemptions for the kids to go to school. They couldn't even be missing one vaccine um, and they would be kicked out of the school system, which was going to directly affect my daughter because the first year it was going into play, she um, was going into middle school. And so it was affecting kindergartners and the middle school kids. And private school, too, I think. Right. Every school. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Every every school in California was affected by this. And so. I started going to all the hearings. I went um, to the six hearings, drove three ways there and then three ways back, six hours of driving to go to state capitol. And I would be at every hearing and I started to see the corruption firsthand with these politicians. Like at one of the hearings, they um, the senator of the House said, oh, Senator Pan, I wouldn't do that vote today. If you let if you do this vote today, it's not going to pass. Or yeah, she goes, it's not going to pass. So I would hold off. And then he stands there looking like an idiot, a puppet. (laughs) And someone comes and whispers in his ear. And then he says, oh, yeah, yeah, that he'll hold off the vote. And so then um, I later find out from people that had been in this realm longer than me that that had been a pharma lobbyist that had whispered in his ear. So because he's basically getting direct orders. And then what they did was they swapped out two of the politicians and then they swapped two in and they did that vote. Uh, a week later behind closed doors. And so I was just like, you know, after SB 277 passed, I knew what I always knew in my gut anyway, that it's all, uh, it's all rigged. They're all a bunch of liars. It's not for the people. And I will never dabble in politics again. That was it. That was my only small chance. It's proof. And that's what we're we're um, interviewing on a weekly basis, a an election integrity activist in Georgia who has sworn affidavits that there were inauthentic ballots cast and they found them during the audit, which is when you're supposed to find them. And the they filed to just get to look at them and. The the, there's like evidentiary hearings, they're pushing it back. So obviously now it's really a a bit moot. Uh, But when you see it happen in action, you can you you see the evidence all the time. So you can just be like, obviously, it's corrupt. Obviously, that's never going to happen. I'm sure that guy was paid off, whatever. It's self-evident in every article you read in the newspaper. But there is something about that moment when you see it happen and you're like, Wow, like it's so blatant. Like if anyone just went to these hearings, they yeah. would see anything controversial which just showed up. You would see it for yourself. And I mean, it's just it's really something about that moment that makes you I mean, you can't give up, but, it, you know, it's tempting. Yeah, well, and I I think that I, you can I give up on the political realm. I don't give up in general because I personally think that you know, people have to find their own power within themselves and step out of that matrix because, you know, the movie, The Matrix is really a documentary. (laughs) People have to step out of that and take their power back. I mean, this would all, everything even going on in the world right now would be done tomorrow if people just stopped buying into their propaganda, their fear-mongering, their lives and take control of their own lives again. But that's getting a little bit off topic. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sorry. I just I, uh, I, I like to 
bring some of these things together because it really, you know, once you're awakened to it, it's really not just the one issue. No, no. I know I could go on a tangent on everything. And the (laughs) solution is always the same. The solution is is what you said. Like, don't, you know, it's easy. Yeah. Jack out and and find your own freedom. Okay, so keep going. So through SB 277 and going up to all these hearings at one point, I think other states, I can't I think other no other areas in California were having rallies set for a certain day, but nobody had um, decided to take one on for San Francisco yet. And so a girlfriend of mine, uh, her name is Tessa. She's like, come on, Tina, let's do this. We'll take it on. And I got talked into it. And I was in over my head. But through that, I ended up having Brandy reach out to me. And I did know Brandy online at that point. And I really, um, I admired her because I knew she was speaking truth. Like she was not one that would push the, um, she wasn't pushing the, oh, we just want our medical freedom. She was really pushing for truth. She want, you know, you can't make, you're not going to take your freedoms back if you don't understand the risk risks involved with the vaccines. And so these people that would um, be pushing for medical freedom, our concern was, well, what about all the other kids? They're still getting hurt and they still matter just because their parents aren't educated. So that's why I didn't trust everybody in the medical freedom movement um, because they would be like, oh, don't say that, you know, don't talk about the ingredients or don't talk about that they're poison. That's too harsh. I'm like, yeah, but vaccines can kill. Or they can drastically, you know, change one's life and financially destroy them. I'm going to talk about those things because I wish someone would have warned me. So Brandy actually at one point spoke out about controlled opposition within the movement, and she did that in a, a, a group in California that had a large following, and people started attacking her. A lot of the so-called leaders in the group started attacking her, and I um, was backing her up all the way because I knew that she wouldn't put something like that out there. There was nothing for her to gain by doing what she was doing. And I felt intuitively what she was saying was the truth. Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, I can attest that I have also been kind of um, spoken to that way. Like, just say it this way. Don't say it that way. Say you're not sure. Say that you just that's your opinion. Like, I know that's how they work. It's very slight and it feels very easy to just be like, okay, but that just goes to show how important it is to be definitive and certain and actually focus on the real issue. But this is probably a good time to back up and say, who is Brandy and what was she, what what path was she on before it intersected with you? Right. Right. So Brandy was working for Merck Pharmaceuticals years ago, and she was selling the drug Vioxx, which was a heart medication. And it came out that it was killing hundreds of thousands of people. Brandy saw behind the scenes how even though that information had already been out there, that they were still training the reps, the pharmaceutical sales reps, how to keep pushing sales. So she felt like she had blood on her hands in the, at this point. She realized what pharma was all about, and she ended up getting out of the industry. Um, and so then she wasn't she didn't become an activist right away. She just went on to live her life. She had her baby, and uh, she had her baby in Europe where they don't push vaccines. So he was never vaccinated. But when she moved to the states, they were starting. Her doctor here started to push her about getting him vaccinated, and she said, "Well, show me the vaccine insert." And the doctor got 
angry with her and didn't want to provide the insert. And she said, look, I used to sell to people like you. I know how this works. Like, there's no way you're giving my baby anything that I haven't researched for myself. And she left. So ends up doing the research. He ends up not being vaccinated. And then SB 277 strikes. And that's when she came out of her own silence and started to speak out against um, the vaccines. And she started a nonprofit called Learn the Risk, which was a true grassroots um, platform where people can go there to grab like information cards. Um, there's tons of independent science, tons of personal stories. Right now, if someone was to go to learntherisk.org, there's not as much content because the website needs to be rebuilt. It had been sabotaged about, I think four to six months ago, it had been sabotaged and she finally got it up and running again, I think around November. Um, and By so a, was that a cyber attack? Originally, yeah. Then there was something going on with the developer that she was using that they were disagreeing about something. And but it, it did start. I know it was hijacked first, a cyber attack. Like she's just she's had a lot of things happening with the website off and on over the years. Um, and I just knew she had to get it rebuilt again in November. So there's not quite as much content, but there's still. Um, is a lot on there. There's parts of it. I have access to part of it. And I mean, just to keep her legacy going, I have a lot of work to do because, because of it having been hijacked before her death and things were just starting to get going, I didn't have all the current passwords to everything yet. <laughs> so we we're in a huge mess of trying to rebuild, but it will happen. I mean, we're very determined to, you know, keep moving it forward. And a lot of and work has been done to do that already. I'm sure she could have contributed a lot, contributed a lot of ongoing research, uh, given the push for vaccinations coming now. Yeah, there are a few people who could have helped us on that. Um, David Crow of the Infectious Myth was one of them. And Carrie Mullis, who invent got the Nobel Prize for inventing the PCR test, are two people who unfortunately died in the past year or two that really could help inform us as we head down the road towards totally untested tech in the in the vat in the so-called vax world. Right. I heard, too, after her passing, I started getting, of course, I'm inundated with messages from people and someone had reached out saying that there are lawsuits coming up for Vioxx. And so they were wondering if she'd been asked to testify in them or if she hadn't been asked yet, that she probably was going to be asked. Yeah, um, it's that. And they're rebranding Vioxx and it's going to be the rebranding Vioxx and going to be pushing it out again. So we've got these lawsuits that are coming, the rebranding Vioxx, and then we've got this COVID stuff going on. I mean, lots of reasons of why you I, potentially I was, would not want. <laughs> I was investigating um, a medicine they wanted to put my one of my kids on, and it was just a rebranded it used to be Accutane and they rebranded it because it got bad press for having lost lawsuits that it caused certain side effects. And I was like, well, that's not <laughs> that's not really the way you should do it. But I, I, I have to say. In my observation over the years of the people who I think do put themselves in a lot of danger and physical danger is like there's a difference between an activist or a big mouth like I am um, and a whistleblower who has firsthand right. information that they could actually give in court or wherever like that to me is is where it gets scary. It, you know, it might get scary to people. 
should right. people should I be. agree. And I, I don't live in fear at all. I mean, I just, I don't, I'm not, I'm not afraid when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. I'm not. I, and I feel like if you live in fear, you're not fully living and I don't, wouldn't want, that would be more painful to me. And you I'd are fully living and would like to continue to. <laughs> you're healthy. You've got I'm all healthy. that. <laughs> I'm happy. Not suicidal. Yeah. Nowadays, That's written on a like flag. To, yeah. Well, she, outside your house. <laughs> well, she had to, she did that a year ago, December, 2019. She wrote on her Facebook page, a list of um, basically her kind of dying wishes that if she was to um, have an untimely death, that she wanted everyone to know she was not suicidal, that, um, you know, she's a sole parent um, of her son who she loved, you know, he was her world and would never do anything to herself. She stated her, she's in great health. Um, she stated that if anything were to happen to her, she wants a full investigation. She wants an independent autopsy. She, she listed everything. And then her final line said something like, um, and trust me, I'll probably be more powerful on the other side than I am here. And it gives me still goosebumps every time I say it, because I really feel her with me. Like I feel a strong presence of her still. Um, she's, 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 she's a strong presence and her legacy will go on. I, it definitely will. I didn't, so even with me jumping in to do everything I've been doing to help save, to make sure her wishes are honored, to um, protect, you know, personal, her personal affairs, which I, you know, I can't necessarily speak on, and then also learn the risk. Um, I didn't, it's not, I didn't even have a fluttering thought of debating myself. Like it felt like it just landed in my lap because I knew that I was probably I knew it was the person that had to do it. Like, yeah. I, I can't even, there was no comparison. There was no thinking of other people. I just knew that it had to be me. Um, it's that you say she, that I, before you said that, I mentioned this to you earlier when I was watching your video with Tim, I thought that you, it was really thrust upon you. And like some people are kind of called to be talkers cause they talk like I do. And I thought, you know, like, uh, you're like Moses. You have to you have to be the talker. You are the one you were chosen and you you know, you're Aaron. There's no Aaron for you. You just have to step up. And I, I do. I mean, I'm sure that is. That'll make you a little nervous, I assume, like just it, it does. Um, yeah, I was like I was with her from the beginning of Learn the Rest. Like I. I actually, before knew it, knowing she wanted to do this, I had been talking to some local friends when I was living in the San Jose um, area in California. We were talking about doing something similar, but not quite as big. We weren't going to do the billboards, but we wanted to do the information tools, basically that you could order the cards that had vaccine information and then leave plant seeds everywhere you go, hand them to, you know, moms with young children, hand them to a pregnant woman, put them in the um, gasoline credit card slot so that the next person has to take it, leave them in restrooms, like get the information out there, plant seeds so that more people wake up. That's what I wanted to do with some local friends. We were already talking about it. And then Brandy and I sat down after we met and she started telling me about the platform she wanted to create, which was learntherisk.org and with the billboards and, you know, the tools. And I thought, well, it, I'm just going to piggyback off Brandy. Like she's, she's from the industry. She knows more of the science information than I do. And this will, you know, so it just made sense. And so we worked together really, really well. I did a lot behind the scenes. I mean, 
I volunteered uncountable hours towards learn the risk, but I did not mind. And I'm the kind of person that doesn't mind being behind the scenes. I didn't want to be front and center. Right. Because the mission is the thing. And it, and the absolute last thing you want to do is repeat work or anything like that. And the people who have the, the role, they should play that role. But sometimes we're called to play more than one role. But so so then so yeah, can I say something real quick about what she, that's that's interesting. That it's like a, a, a grassroots advertising effort to spread the word. The vaccine, as we see right now, is giving just this massive propaganda information campaign push. And it sounds like I know this wasn't for this vaccine in particular, but you guys were doing a more of a grassroots effort to reach out to people. I think it's a great idea. I yeah. wonder if the, did you ever get billboards up? Did the billboard? Oh, yeah. yeah. We had oh. we had tons at the beginning in San Jose. I think the first time about seven of them were put up in the San Jose area. At one point we had one up in um, San Francisco on the Bay Bridge. And, and this was only, only a couple of years ago. Yeah, it only lasted a week because then they say that they got inundated with phone calls, but we're sure it was either they got inundated with phone calls hired by pharma because <laughs> you know, most people don't take the time yeah. to do anything. Most people are just lazy and just zombified yeah. going through life. But we ended up, it got taken down, but it was up for a week. And because they had to cut it short, the contract, they refunded the money. So it was basically free advertising for a week That's on the awesome. Bay Bridge. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you, in my, Binkley and I were on regular terrestrial radio in Atlanta, I had a show for eight and a half years there. And that's where the CDC is. And I had the greatest program director. He would let me talk about anything as long as I could back it up. I would, he was totally fine with it. And uh, the, uh, he never got complaints. He said, I can't believe it. the stuff you say. I just cannot believe that I don't get complaints. The only time he got complaints was when we did a show. I don't know if Binkley was, there at that point but we did a show and there there was like vaxxed i think the movie was coming out in town and i said you know i just people started calling and talking about it because they were protest or like being act they were encouraging people to go and i had mentioned you know so i let them talk on the air and i said oh you know i always thought it was kind of weird that i gave my kids chicken pox vaccine when it doesn't kill you and then i find out later it doesn't even give you lifelong you know, like that was stupid. I wish I hadn't given the chicken pox. I'm telling you, I could talk about the Boston Marathon bombing, the MH370 crashing over into all my conspiracy theories, which I'm sure are absolutely true. But right. I couldn't say I wish I hadn't gotten my kids the chicken wow. pox vaccine. And he was just like, it's so weird. I'm like, it's it's not weird. <laughs> no, I get it's a it. powerful industry we're up against. <laughs> it's so I mean, it's one. It's like I used to think it was like you know, behind banking energy and defense. But now I'm thinking, you know, it's up there. It's in the it's in the top tier. But yeah. so that wasn't that long ago. And that so by then you had kind of joined forces with Brandy. Yeah, she then. was in Vax, too. Brandy was interviewed oh, in Vax in as it. well. Because okay, I yeah, wasn't even, yeah. I didn't even see it. I wasn't even into the movement at all. I didn't. I'm still not. But now, I'm open. Is Vax the one that Robert De Niro was supporting at first yes. until he got spoken to yes. and then he's oh, wow interesting yeah the tribeca film festival yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. they got taken down yes yeah, so, now okay gotcha. she was she was in vax the one thing in vax that she was disappointed in and that i was disappointed in and several were that at the end of it it had said something about go to your um ask your doctor for single shot vaccines instead and we we're all like why would you put that? They're I all know. dangerous. Uh, 
I'll tell you this dangerous. This so that is was some frustrating. <laughs> I do want to ask you maybe later in the conversation about that. It's that when I listen to and I, I'm, this book I'm reading about the military background of the Internet, I just every maybe once a chapter, same thing. I, I read a, a book about like the agriculture revolution and like, it's great, great, great. And then like once a chapter, I'll see a sentence in there and I'm like, I know that's not true. Like, right. I know that thing is not true. Now, are you doing this because you want to like pass the censors and get it out there or because you don't want people to think you're crazy? Or is that the one thing that is just you you can't let people know the truth about or it's just can't that's the one thing that would let get people too over the top and i for me it's when they do that they lose all credibility oh, because yeah. a confusing message leaves people yeah. in a state of confusion they're not getting to the truth when they're constantly left in a state of confusion with half truths so and actually it does leave that person vulnerable to uh, a shot at their credibility on their own terms. So even somebody who doesn't believe their overarching story, somebody else can come in and say, that guy's a quack. Then why would he say that? You know, the only exception I will make is that Ron Paul did not out 9-11 from Congress. I'm not going to hold him responsible for that because like Cynthia McKinney lost her place there and everything. That's the only thing where I'm just like, we know that's not right, but I'm giving him a pass on that. But (laughs) other than that, there's like, anytime I hear like that one thing, I'm just like, "Mm, you lost me. And then people like, you're so harsh. I'm like, ah, Edward Snowden's fake. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Well, yeah. And that's the other thing is like a lot of them, when you get that big and I don't know when they're, when you're big and you get a huge following, but you're keeping just a little bit of a confusing message then I'm a little bit suspicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, look at you. and then when people say, oh, well, they have to do that because um, it's a strategy or they have to do that. <laughs> Trust otherwise people won't listen. <laughs> I'm like, I won't listen because you're that's a lie. Like if they know the truth and speak the truth, because to me, a half truth is still a lie. And I don't I don't trust liars personally. <laughs> You are my kind of girl. Well, in X Files, right the pilot season or pilot episode of X Files, Deep Throat tells Mulder the best way to lie is to the best way to tell a lie is to hide it in between two truths. And that's nice. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Jeez, this is uh, this is really intense. Okay, so keep going. All right, do you know where you were? So we so got you were, to, put up billboards. You were you started the San Francisco thing. That's how you connected with her. You were taking over, learn the risk. And then so so do we want to like kind of fast forward to where, what maybe last year? So last year she put the um, on Facebook, she put out that and it's still on her Facebook page. Anyone can go find it. I actually I'm the legacy account holder for her page. You know, a lot of things are like. I couldn't, I was having a lot of stumbling blocks after her passing that I just could not deal with things because there were people that clawed into the situation immediately out of the gate that were trying to um, block me. And I was like, Brandy, please. I knew she had asked me to be her legacy account holder on Facebook, but you know, that doesn't mean that it happened. You know, sometimes people get busy and they don't do it. Was this any of her friends and family or were these, were they activists? Were they government activists? Yeah. were activists that she did not trust. And I, and you know, she had been, so before she passed, she had come to see me in. Hold on. When did she post that Facebook post? 
She what did month? that in December, a year before her death, December okay. 2019. Okay. And I have it pinned on her Facebook page that if anyone wants to go look for it, it's easy we, to find. It's Brandy Vaughn. Yeah. You got a screenshot too, right? Because they'll they could take that stuff down for all we. Oh know. yeah, we've got yeah. yeah, and she even said that actually in her list. Make sure you screenshot this oh, wow. so that there's <laughs> copies of it. <laughs> she covered herself well. Yeah, yeah. So that was put up, um, and then I'm going blank with where we were headed for that. Yeah, well, they, you were saying as and this I, I do find interesting. So that was a year ago. If you think about what happened in 2020, she ends up dead in in November. I mean, it's heartbreaking. I can't believe that you can really December I mean, that, 7th, December oh, 7th. December yeah. 7th. So That's she came to see me in November. Ago. Yeah. So she comes to see me in November um, to spend Thanksgiving for with us. And we had a great time. She had taken an RV. She wanted to take her son on an RV trip because it was always his dream to be in an RV. He loves RVs. So she took him on this trip in the RV and they came to spend three days with us, two nights. And we had Thanksgiving together. And she was she wanted to go dancing the one night. But we, we found out too late of a place we actually could have went because we're not quite as locked down as some areas. <laughs> and we but we found out too late. We didn't end up going dancing. But her, what, I, my, what I'm building up to is she was healthy. She was having a good time. She never complained of pain whatsoever. And then nine days later, she is found dead at home. And before she left my house, she, and she had done this before. It wasn't her first time. She said, if anything were to happen to me, will you raise my son? And I said, of course, of course it will. She'd always asked that over the years off and on. Um, and she asked again the day she was leaving and she did make comments that um, she, you know, this is what she always wanted for him, like having other siblings to play with. And so, you know, it, I feel like I have to do everything in my power to honor all of her wishes. Um, right after her passing on December 7th, she there were people from within the movement that immediately clawed into her personal affairs and they were texting me and they had me in these group messages and they would have all these different um, phone numbers in the group messages of people I didn't know. And I even knew that the one that was reaching out initially was not someone she trusted. We had actually just talked about that person when she was visiting me at Thanksgiving, but it wasn't someone she for sure knew was not someone we could trust. It was someone that was still in a question mark, you know, category but I knew it wasn't someone close to her, someone that had no business um, trying to deal with her personal affairs. And so I finally said to these people, like, what are you doing putting me in a group message with all these people that I don't even know who they are? And Brandy would be pissed. This, she's a, when it came to her personal affairs, she was very private. She would not want these people to be involved. And they ended up Plus convincing... She was she was a single mother of this yeah. son. So she she understood that her personal stuff was would reflect directly on him. No doubt. That's why she wanted to keep everything strictly separate. Right. And so and, and these are people within the movement. Like I knew she didn't trust very many people in the movement and having, you know, some of these people being put into these and they had no business. So what they were doing is I had started to go fund me. And it was gaining traction. And when it hit around 20, and this is like within, I thought she died on the seventh. I found out on the eighth. And I think by the ninth, by the eighth, actually, they're already after me. And then I wouldn't answer them. They wanted to get me in a zoom call on day one of my finding out. And I mean, I was a mess that day. I was crying all day. And there, you know, I had started the GoFundMe immediately um, because I knew that we were going to need money to do autopsies and private investigation and everything. And who is so it they, that wanted you in a zoom call the day after? 
it was people within the movement that she would not, she didn't trust. I yeah. knew she didn't trust them, she, but I, I was yeah. being nice and I was being right. a bit because they were, they were also some of the ones that originally knew the information that she had passed. I heard from someone at one point that this one woman has a connection to the police department. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's suspicious to me how fast the movement found out about her death. And like these people knew a day before I did, and they had already gotten to the family in Europe. They had already gotten to um, a close friend of hers, a, a close local friend that she's known a long time, but wouldn't, I wouldn't say close is in this person understood her mission understood her less than mainstream ways. I don't think that this person was close in those ways, but it was someone she'd known for a while that she trusted. Um, They got close to that woman. And so what ended up happening for me is I immediately, anyone I tried to, you know, get in there to help and do what I need to do because she had no blood relatives. um, And I would have been the closest thing. Like she considered me a soul sister. I, she told me everything. I, I was her legacy account holder on Facebook. I knew she trusted me. I knew her well. And so these people were blocking me. They had put my name through the family in Europe and said that they had poisoned my name. And I'm so sorry. It took me, I had to like get to other good friends from her high school and from, um, from someone else in Europe that I know that had to like get to the family and try to undo some of the damage that had been done. Um, which never fully was undone. And I can't get too into detail over what's going on there, but it's been a big headache right out of the gate. I was under attack immediately and Brandy would just be, you know, fuming if she saw what these people are doing. They're not people she trusted. And so I, there's a lot of suspicious activity surrounding what happened. So, so she has the she has this organization, Learn the Risk, and um, you guys are activists. It she had powerful information. And just so people listening don't think it just comes out of nowhere. If you're gaining any traction, it only stands to reason that some powerful entity with a lot to lose could easily put somebody in the place you know, just make them an activist or go to an activist and say, these people are hurting the movement and we're willing to support it, but they go too far or um, just even somebody who may have, I don't know, something in the closet or whatever. But the idea is it's totally not and a far-fetched conspiracy to think that and anybody who's ever joined kind of a controversial movement knows that there that people infiltrate that mean to change the message or even just hijack it. There's a lot of times it's just simple corruption that there's money to be raised or whatever. But there are a lot of reasons to believe that. And if you know what she would want and they don't. And you're the holder of the keys. She left you the keys to everything so that there's a lot of credibility there. Well, not everything because some stuff had been redone. So that was what made it challenging. (laughs) And I wasn't local to her. So there were certain things that, you know, local friends had, but she would have wanted them to work with me to, you know, let me do what I needed to do, but I'm getting blocked. But I believe I'm getting blocked because of these people that pulled into the, came into the situation that were not close to her, had nothing to do with learn the risk. And they, um, they were trying to discredit me fast before I could, I mean, I, I still probably haven't grieved properly because there's been so much to do since um, it's happening. You know, sometimes you just get into the business of what's happening and then I'll just find myself pausing and just having a good cry and then continue again because you don't have to catch up to you. (laughs) 
it does. It really does. Um, but I, you know, I'm not going to give up her. The thing is, is I knew what her wishes were, but she put it out there for the public. The public knew what her wishes were. Yeah. It's listed on her page. <laughs> so anyone that's trying to badmouth me for what I'm doing, just go to her page and it shows right there what her wishes were. And I'm making that happen. And so to me, anyone that's going against those wishes are not good friends of hers. So what they were doing was pushing out this narrative that, oh, it was her gallbladder. She died because of her gallbladder. You know, who and said that? that? Was that an autopsy? So the autopsy hadn't even been done yet. It was something that one of these women got from her phone. The woman that has her child got it off her phone and said, because she had had stomach pain, I guess. And she had, um, she was going to see someone about the stomach pain. But you don't drop dead. I've seen that screenshot, but not in person. Like I didn't see it on the phone. I've seen the shot, the screenshots going around, but who would do that? Why would you get information from her phone and go throw that into social media if you're her friend who knows she wants a full investigation? Because even if she's having stomach pain, that doesn't mean it's not foul play. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I just saw her nine days before and she wanted to go out dancing. She was eating. Everything was fine and normal. So healthy people generally don't drop dead over stomach pain. (laughs) Right. And if you are, even if there is foul play, of course, one would presume it would be preceded by pain. (laughs) Right. And and I had heard that she had had some pain. She didn't while she was with me, but I did hear she was having some pain, you know, that day or the day before. Um, but that, you know, to me, that doesn't rule out the fact that she wanted a full investigation. She put her wishes out there publicly and that's, what's going to happen. And there, it, it makes sense to do that considering who she was. Right. And was there an autopsy? How long? It sounded like she had been preparing for a while. So she started speaking out. Well, so when she started speaking out, I would say within that first year, they broke into her home. And they had left signs in her home, um, basically like to say, we're watching you. They didn't steal anything. They just did. It was like an intimidation break in. They had taken her laptop, which was hidden on her microwave, I guess, was down lower on a shelf. And they had put the laptop that was hidden up on the microwave into the middle of the floor of her kitchen. And they moved a stool from, I think, the side of her garage or in the garage over to the only window that had blinds open as if it was, and she said that she had someone, I think she had a past detective or something come through that was saying that that is a sign of like, we're watching you because they stuck this bench by the only window that had blinds open. And then she used to, in interviews, always say that she felt like a sitting duck and they left this big duck statue on um, her patio table in the backyard. There is a video. uh, I think it's, it's actually part of the video that I did the interview with Tim. He included that. I think at the end at the intimidation of Brandy Vaughn. And then it's also elsewhere online as well. um, Where she goes through the house. So yeah, that's why ever since then she knew she wasn't going to stop talking. She was going to continue her mission because it was an important one, but she did, you know, from pretty much that point on, she would always, you know, say, if anything happens, would you raise him for me? And and she would say that because she knew that, oh. you know, I homeschool my kids. We were on, yeah. you would have a similar lifestyle, just a little bit less travel. Cause she did travel a heck of a lot. I travel, but usually by car and, you know, right. I want to, I want, I don't, especially these days, I don't want to be on a plane wearing a mask, Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, right, exactly. but, <laughs> but um, she traveled a lot with him, a lot of um, international travel as well. And so I knew that, you know, the reason she would always ask me that is because she knew that his lifestyle would be very similar. And um, 
you know, we, we are very, we had a lot in common. We were very similar. Same values. And now what Mm -hmm. he's, so of the things she asked you to do, what are you able to do? Is he living in Europe now? Well, I can't speak on him, but there's, it's still, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be an easy path or it hasn't been an easy path in general. Yeah. He's safe. Really safe. Um, And what about the autopsy? Are you able to get independent? Is it too late for something like that? That has been a struggle. Um, We have, um, we're working on it still. Yeah. Because there's no blood relative and they're saying there's no will. And that's the other thing is that we're not allowed access to any, um, they're not allowing access to the computers. or And I'm not saying authorities, the authorities never grabbed anything like that. I did hear after a lot of us complaining, they finally grabbed the laptops, but then gave them back. But they had never even taken cell phone. They had never closed down the house. There's never a proper investigation. Yet they were putting out into social, into into the media. Oh yeah. There's going to be a full investigation. I'm like, how do you call that a full investigation? Like, are you kidding me? My uncle was, (laughs) they just say that to shut up the public. My uncle is 88 and he, I guess, took too many of his pills and it killed him. And I I believe they had to give him an autopsy because there are real strict rules about what you can call a natural. And there's something about like just being of a certain age. They're not allowed to just call in some states, maybe not all. But you would think that it would be the default that it would be treated as a crime scene. Yeah. Considering what she did for a living. Right. But even just just as a, you know, regular her age, age. all of it. Yeah. It's yeah. It doesn't it's makes zero sense that they haven't made, you know, done a full investigation. Um, But we're it's going I'm going to keep pursuing and honoring all of her wishes until no stone is left unturned because she deserves that. I mean, she worked. She possibly gave her life for, you know, getting the truth out there and she deserves it. So is know. there a cache of of her videos, like an archive that people can access right now? Or is that part of rebuilding? Um, That's learn the risk. It's part of rebuilding, learn the risk. But I do. Um, someone was helping me out and already has got some up on BitChute. Um, and you might still be able to find some of them on YouTube, but you know, YouTube's always taking everything down. So (laughs) I I think there are some still there as well, but I have, um, I have some people helping me make sure that we save everything that we can. Um, and then I have a bunch of files that still need to, uh, get back onto the original website. Right. So how does this change how you spend your time and effort? I mean, this is another wrinkle, right? So, and it's a big one. It's justice for a friend. And like, you can be active all day long for the people who, you know, half-ass don't deserve it because they don't want to hear what you have to say. But this is your friend who I need justice for. So how does that? So what I immediately did, like after the first couple of days where I could feel myself like spin, I could feel my intuition was off with the people that were trying to claw into me and that were trying to get the GoFundMe um, sabotage, which they, they effectively did. So I had to start a new one. Um, I blocked everybody that I didn't trust at that moment. I was like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for online drama. I don't have time to deal with these people that I don't trust. And I just blocked everyone. I go online just to, you know, um, to update some stuff and to, you know, check messages. Cause I'm getting tons of messages uh, from friends of hers from, you know, 
high school from all over. Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing what I can online, but just as an as needed basis. I'm trying not to involve myself in any, I, it didn't involve myself in any of the drama that was going on surrounding her, but there were a lot of people that were helping me to set the record straight. Cause I was really, my name was kind of being thrown through the mud uh, oh, within boy, some I of the bet. activists. And I have a lot of close friends in activism and I've helped a lot of people, you know, not to toot my own horn, but behind the scenes, I actually do a lot to help families and I'm always there when needed. So for them to try to, you know, drag my name through the mud because I'm honoring her wishes. I had friends that were like quick to come out and set the record straight online. So well, I knew I didn't need to worry about that. And I know who I am. I know, I know God. the truth of what I'm doing. So I don't let those, you know, negative toxic type of people affect what I'm doing. I'm, I'm on a mission to, um, to save her legacy and to do everything that she wanted and nobody's going to stop me. Well, the drama not only derails and distracts and everything, it is a waste of time. Like it is literally, I actually think, and I know Binkley's read it from like the CIA manuals and stuff. You literally can just waste people's time. That's like a good technique. on. I think that's what they're, yeah. I think that's what it's for sometimes is just to waste your time. That's why I, I long ago, Back yeah. when I was living in California still and dealing with the SB 277, I, I used to engage in all that drama. And then I realized, you know what? What a perfect way to make me more yeah. ineffective than right. to keep me busy with this. And I started to call the movement, the medical freedom movement, an echo chamber. And, oh. and sometimes Brandy was getting derailed by it too. And I would say, yeah. Brandy, those aren't your people. Right. Don't worry about that. that. Who cares about what that movement's doing? our people are outside of the movement. And so I had already a little bit taken a step. I was still helping behind the scenes with learn the risk, but I wasn't online doing as much. And I had already taken a step into um, basically building my network and my, in my sphere of influence outside of medical freedom movement. So I was starting to go to Anarchapoco every year. I was going oh, to more fun. freedom events and just, I wanted to connect with people. Cause I also thought, you know, these people are already awake on like 9-11 and they're awake on, you know, what's going on with the Federal Reserve and all these right. other areas. So these are people that will be open to what I have to say about vaccines. And so and I was trying to like, yeah, I was trying to take it further and actually go where people might listen. And so yeah. I was already, and that's why when I was starting to get threatened, oh, I hadn't mentioned that yet, but I was in the early days when I was uh, fundraising, they said, if you don't make the fundraiser just about her son, then the, then right. the big leaders in the movement will not share your fundraiser. And I was like, oh, oh, that's okay. Because I, I don't, see, I'm not going to get coerced into anything. I'm going to do what I know she wanted me to do. And I have other people now. I have people that are freedom fighters in all other areas that will listen to me and will help promote and help get the word out there. And so I just went with my gut instinct and I continued on the path I was on. And look, now I'm on your show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And come highly recommended. But I but also those that uh, it, it betrays them that they wanted to limit the funding to something that was irrelevant to them. That's actually the opposite of what they should have wanted. Why should they share something about her son? They should share something about getting the truth out. But there's a little wrinkle here that I don't think people um, may be familiar with. I know I have questions about it. So so you distinguish between medical freedom and learn the risk. 
And that's where what you think is a crucial distinction, right? Um, I mean, learn the risk definitely wants medical freedom. But right. I would say that where we always in when Brandy and I would speak, where we came from was the fact that if people are educated with the truth, it doesn't matter what bills these politicians push. They're going to protect their child. And if you get more people educated with the truth, the actual facts about how dangerous vaccines are, they're not going to vaccinate. And eventually you're going to have enough people that their laws don't even matter because we're just going to pull out of your school system then, or we're going to pull away. People are going to protect their kids when they really know the truth. They're going to do what it takes to protect their kids. And anyone that is still vaccinating can't, they, they just haven't fully educated themselves. So this actually brings into a little bit of a deeper thing that kind of connects to the people you will check out at Anarchapulco and people like us is is if you have freedom without truth. So there's like an underlying deception there. That freedom, Binkley, you're going to like this is let's coin it here now, weaponized freedom. So you give people this illusion of choice, which we we know we know this pattern before. There is no real choice. You're, you're having them choose between two things that are not good. But it it really appeals to the libertarian. But what libertarian, you know, what they don't what like a captive libertarian media will say is, well, it's just your choice. It's your responsibility to get smart on it. But we know that like Cheryl Atkinson has a great expose on how they manipulate everything down to Wikipedia and the journals and the stuff written in the journals is actually written by the pharma companies. I mean that it's so, so this, the freedom is there just like democracy is there to fool you into thinking it's your choice. It's your problem. And then when you don't believe the echo chamber, they literally say that you're crazy or don't believe in science. Whereas the crowd that you sought out uh, are the ones who have just gotten into the habit of examining the evidence for themselves because they just don't believe that echo chamber anymore. Right. right. Cheryl Atkinson, by the way, also had her stuff on the vaccines for SARS back in 2004, I believe it was. She had a, she did a bunch of investigative reporting on that and CBS squashed it. Wouldn't let her report any of it. Yeah, I read her book. Stonewalled is really good. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I haven't read that one. I've read her other two. Uh, that's the only one I have any check. Yeah, out. And the TED um, talk she did was really good. I'm always waiting for the flag that's just like, oh, she, that's not true, but I haven't found it yet with her. And I used to follow the first one of the first big things that made me open my eyes to what was really going on was that Operation Fast and Furious, which is what her initial thing that got her job lost as she was revealing gun running and right. cash running and drug dealing and all. I think it was ultimately in the service of like determining who became president of Mexico, like our CIA. It was such a crazy story. And and they took them forever to cover that thing up. But I, I think they blamed that. I mean, obviously, they blame that on her because she didn't keep her mouth shut. But yeah, they they go out of their way. She She's to keep that kind of thing quiet. And I I do believe there were two other things I wanted to ask you about. So as you one is just um, personally to to be attacked like that, my guess is they would attack you in any way they they could, even if it was personal. And I just wonder how you 
deal with that with your family. So I, an example is like I see Brett Kavanaugh and Ted Cruz had like these horrible scandals and I totally think they were fine with it because it got them what they wanted. And you could see their poor little daughter sitting there just like so friggin' cringe, you know, like, and I think, God, they suck. They put their daughters through that. But that's really just a show, a theater. This is you're really fighting the good fight and you're getting attacked unjustly. And even if they said stuff about you that was true, it's irrelevant. It's a essentially unjust because you're trying to they're trying to shut you up by getting personal. And uh, and I just I feel like that must take a personal toll. No, not really. I know who I am. Yeah, I just they're not. I I have really grown through being in the movement. Yes, (laughs) Um, I I know who I am and I know that I'm I know that I, I feel like I've never I've never been more on the right path in my life. And right. even this happening, I believe everything happens for a reason. I believe her death will not be in vain. I think more people have already woke up, not only to what's going on within the medical freedom movement and the controlled opposition and how they control the messaging. I've seen I, people have reached out to me, reached out and questioned some of the people that they've seen. And I, I know that they're waking up and I believe that this will eventually blow the lid off pharma there. It's if people are waking wow. up because this has happened, her death will not be in vain. I stay strong. My kids have been kind of with me through this. Um, they, I, I talk, I mean, I, I mean, I don't like to talk like this in the past. I didn't do this, <laughs> but at home I talk and I, yeah. they hear, they hear, they have grown up with me speaking my truth as I learn it, as I learn it, the kids are hearing it. So my kids are really, they've, I taught them to question everything. And I think they, you know, they probably wouldn't admit it, but I think they're proud of me <laughs> to some degree sure. because, you know, their mom is, you know, out there and I'm, I'm battling this and I'm, I'm doing it. Um, I'm, I'm being authentic about it. And I, I, you know, these toxic small minds just don't matter to me. Uh, I know who I am and I know what she wanted and it's actually clear what she wanted. She actually put it on yes. social media for everybody to see. So it's, it's out there. I know I'm doing the right thing and I, it just does not get to me. I mean, I well, get the, tired at times, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't, I know that I'm on the right path. I know I'm so, it's not like it's fun. I would never choose this. It's right. not like you're making money. You're in fact, are throwing yeah. your own money at activism all the time, but it is very rewarding. Um, to know that you're helping people and you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And this is one of those examples where there is absolutely no substitute for experience. This idea that, you know, yourself, I, I like through the show that we had on, Treasure Radio was a call in show and I would say stuff and you can't see people because they're in their cars. So they call after you've been talking for a couple of minutes and they start screaming at you because they hate you because of what you said. And I went home crying many, many times. And there was one time I cried for like four days because of the vile things people said to me. And both sides were mad at me. Like that's how bad, whatever it was I said. And then after that, I realized I was like, you better know what you're about because you know, because I didn't really care about the issue. I just had a show about something I wasn't really that, you know, and I just like said stuff. And boy, do you learn how to not just say stuff. But by doing that over time, you really refine and you understand it better. And then you're you're much more powerful, I think. 
So yeah, I don't, observe yeah, I, don't I don't buy into the left right stuff. I never yeah, have. No. I, I, of course, I it's out the, of the scam. Game. I, I must have been a mini anarchist and I didn't know. I didn't know there was a name to it. I always had her thought, you know, anarchy was this bad thing that they show on TV. But even then, I always kind of liked what they were doing more than the the government was doing. Um, But yeah, no, I think out of the gate, it was always I just never feel like anyone has the right to be trying to control another person. I've always believed in voluntary relationships. And yeah, so I, I I have a lot of people that get upset with the things that I say. But I know that my my view is non-aggression it's you know voluntary relationships it's being more kind and loving to each other so well there's your (laughs) there's the power if they definitely don't want that getting out but uh there's one thing uh one last thing for sure i wanted to ask you was about if you're okay with answering this that it seems to me that big pharma is poised to leapfrog all those other big industries i mentioned in the military industrial complex as being really the lynch of the totalitarian technocracy, the way the vaccines are are just blanketing the world. What happened here with COVID policy, regardless of what you think about COVID, what causes it or any of that? The fact that the these governments, both you know, upside up and down and across the world, have have truly reacted in lockstep. And the next step is just blanketing the earth with vaccines, most of which are untested, not just on the coronavirus level, but on the actual tech level. So can how. I mean, I'd like to know what you just think about that whole thing. And then also, you know, to the extent that your work can kind of help or your hopes that it can maybe stem the tide a little bit, but you know, do you have any, anything you can say about it? Yeah. That? Well, I mean, it's all happening over a cold basically. I know. <laughs> so I look at it, I'm like right out of the gate. I was like, Oh my God, what are they doing now? Like I knew it, there was no deadly virus trying to get, take us all down. So uh, we had talked a little bit earlier about this off when we weren't on, on air yet. But my view about this virus, and I say virus in quotes, when we get sick, it is our body detoxing. And so, uh, and the best way I can explain what's ha- what really is happening is if I'm sick and you come around me, my body is in detox mode when I'm sick. And if you come around me and your body needs to detox, there is a signaling between us. And the example of the signaling would be similar to women in a tribe, how their periods will sync up and they'll end up having their period at the same time. You've probably heard that before. Um, it's the same, it's an energetic signaling. So if I'm in detox mode and someone comes around me and they need to detox, then they're potentially going to go into detox mode and they're going to get sick depending on their terrain, depending on well, how well they take care of their body. I have a book and haven't read it yet, but it's, it's basically, um, on the germ theory, terrain theory and germ theory was debunked out of the gate, out of the gate, because if germ theory was true, we would all be dead. It would just take, we would see people dying in the streets. People would be dying in their homes. They would be found dead at home. Like that's how bad this would be. There would be really a pandemic, but there's not, I know zero people that have died personally. And I'm around all the time. Yeah. Personally, I don't. But uh, the people even who say they do, I I have yet to meet someone just like AIDS and AZT. I have yet to meet somebody who said they know someone who died of it, who was not put on a ventilator. Like to me, the ventilator is the new AZT. Yeah. Or they died like one was a a man. I 
I even saw his comments. He was a, f- a friend of a friend on a page. He said that his mom had fallen down the stairs and she died from the complications of the fall. And they put COVID on the death certificate. Dude, you know, um, Siegfried and Roy, the one guy who was super messed up because he got bitten by the tiger. Mm-hmm. His cause of death is COVID. I mean, like they're just lying. It's so obvious. And when the marketing came out for this, like within two weeks, you're seeing I heard in California within like the first week or two in the Walmarts, they were popping out the tile to put in different tile for the social distancing little the the. The, the, the tiles were getting changed. You're supposed for the to stand six feet away. Stand. Yeah. Because yeah. it's safe on that tile or you're not going to get the back. The, the, the virus can't get you on that tile and it can't get it, but tiles and, and in you. change rooms. You got to stay away from the change rooms because they're hiding in the change rooms. Like it's, yeah. it's so stupid. This is what and I say. Like, why are people believing this? Like it's so stupid. There's no common sense whatsoever. I would hug someone that has COVID. I could care less. Like, of course you want to get at it. it. One of my it's, sons in his 20s had it. Nobody yeah. saw we didn't just it was a minor cold and he wasn't allowed to go to work for two weeks. So he worked from home. He didn't spend right. one day in bed and we didn't social distance from him. We were still yeah. around him like we always are. And nobody yeah. got it. That's just not a, a pandemic. It's trillions <laughs> of invisible monsters everywhere trying to kill us all. That's what I tell people. Like, that's literally what you're talking about here. You think there are trillions of invisible monsters everywhere trying to kill us all. <laughs> and, yeah. and they and that's how I live in L.A. So that's definitely the atmosphere. But uh, yeah, so so now they there's like several vaccinations I happen to notice. And I, I just always mention this because it's interesting to me that they seem to be having like a live trial. Binkley and I've talked about this all the time and they are actually identifying the different groups. So you've got your anti-vaxxers who are going to be the control. You have the, the AstraZeneca vaccine is a, is it seems like a viral vector from a chimpanzee virus that is, that uses gene induction to get DNA into the cells where it reproduces in order to generate an autoimmune response. Now, that's the one they're giving to poor people, like in the global south. And then ours, the Moderna and the Pfizer one, are the mRNA ones, which I think are the rich people's ones, because at least the Pfizer one has to be frozen, which only happens in kind of a first world country has a a freezable transport system. And I just and then you've got Sputnik, which is or and the Johnson Johnson, which which is a conventional style. And I feel like they're literally going to see how the populations respond to these different technologies, some of which have never been um, never been allowed, like been um, not authorized. It's it's an emergency authorization approved. They've never been approved. And uh, so they're very experimental and um, they're going to blow up the trial by even the ones that had a placebo instead of waiting to see like a year or two. They are going to um, give the people who were in the control group a the vaccine. They're literally blowing up the trial. So I just do you have a kind of bigger picture sense of why why all of that is happening? You think it's just about the money or do you think there's more to it than that? Oh, I've never thought. I mean, the only so my view on it being about the money is more about crippling us monetarily. I don't they have all the money they want. I mean, at the high ends of this, you know, even beyond I mean, I'm talking like Rockefellers, Soros, um, Rothschilds, like at the higher ends of all of this, the real puppeteers 
it's not about money. It's always about control. And I believe it's about population control. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I, th- I think that's where at some point, I mean, I've spoke out for years now. And at some point, I think there's going to be a tipping point in the um, the people out there that are kind of awake because the more they're doing to us, the more it's shining a light on all this and the more that are waking up and stepping out of that matrix. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that find out the hard way. I mean, they're going to have family members passing because of these experimental vaccines. Um, And they've always done that where they have different, you know, different ones for different um, categories. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've seen it. There was a nurse several years ago that took a picture of their fridge where the vaccines were. And it said right on it, like these were the government or these were like the (gasps) for Medicare Medicare? or whatever. Oh yeah. And then there was other, there was the PPO. They are doing that now. They had it labeled. They had it labeled that way. So I think they've always done that. I I saw that. The AstraZeneca one is too, is, is Mm -hmm. a government one here. That is so fucked And they're giving it to the people first who weren't allowed to be in the trial because they were high risk. They're giving it to the oldest people that they said, you can't be in the trial. And still, some of them are dying. They are. Oh, yeah. I've heard of I think I've already heard of a pregnant woman that took it and died. I saw that cross their path. Um, I was buying something off this like offer up thing recently. And the guy came out and he had his mask on, but I didn't have a mask. And um, (laughs) at the end of the transaction, I was like, can I give you something? And I have this flyer about the masks, like what it does and that we shouldn't be, you know, inhaling our carbon. And then I, on top of it, I, on top of it, I put a little sticky note with the vaccine information from learn the risk. And he's like, oh yeah, sure. And I hand it. And then he looks at that little vaccine one first and he says, I already got it. He goes, I had to for work. And he yeah. goes, you know what? I'm, he goes, I didn't want to. He says, but they told me that they were going to fire me if I didn't yeah. take it. And he said, and I'm more concerned. He's, he says, I wasn't afraid of getting COVID. He says, right. I was more, con- he goes, I'm more concerned about the side effects. He says, cause I have a cousin that was in the military who had to take anthrax vaccine. And he oh. says his health has never been the same since he oh. suffered so much after having to take that. So this guy, the poor guy, like he's not like awake, awake to like, you know, the degree that I've been digging in for years, but he knew enough that this was a vaccine he didn't want to take, but he felt coerced to have to take it for his income. A, um, a nurse I know ha- took it. <clears throat> Her English isn't good, so I'm not 100% sure she got the word right, but she they had to take it at work. And she took it and she said she felt ill, so they made her kind of stay for a long time. And then she said, it's because they, <clears throat> if you really need it, they have the antidote. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe it's just the steroid. You know, if you start having shot, they, you know, she's just like, they have an antidote. Yeah. And actually, I did yeah, say they have, an, they have an antidote to kill you even faster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I did. But it was just to remind me because the anthrax vaccine is that I saw a DNA vaccine like this in a, a book I'm reading, real old book about promise software, which I know you know about. And it said something about it showed a patent from the 80s of a vaccine that was altered the DNA and it was a bioweapon and it and it came with a patent for the antidote. And I remember thinking like this thing (laughs) is is expects you to prevent to create an autoimmune response. But what you know, why it used to need an antidote. So I don't know. But it just it, it I don't know if. I, I, yeah, a little medical freedom would be helpful. It's it's not sufficient, but it is a necessary condition here. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, if we could get more people educated, they will take their freedoms, right? They won't even be able to be, I mean, I, I'm so strong with it that I'm, I always say like, I would live in a tent out in the woods before I would ever take a right. vaccine before I would ever take a job where oh. people, I think I'm, my battery is dying that fast. Nice. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll let you go, but that was a nice picture. That was you and Brandy. I love that picture. Oh, did it come up? Yes. Yeah. I didn't realize it did. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> it's just I had low battery jump up on my screen, and uh, so I had to take it off. I that's cool that that showed up. Well, we went over. We promised meant to be. Brandy did that. She wanted. To yeah, sure. she was like, "Come on, you got things to do. Yeah. You can be nice to these people, but you've given them an hour. <laughs> Show a picture of me." Yeah. <laughs> well, that is our cue. But um, it has been such a pleasure. What a, uh, I mean. Obviously, you got no agenda working whatsoever and everything you say rings true. Um, I, I would love for you to tell people how they can help and how they can educate themselves. I realize Learn the Risk may be under construction, but well, please it's there. Just so you can go. Yeah. Learn the org is back up. She did get part of it back up. There is still a decent amount of information to you know educate yourself on vaccines on the front page i've added um a little video legacy video um with brandy you know photos of brandy and there's also a donate button on the first page um to to if they would like to donate to helping us fulfill all of her wishes that she wanted taken care of in the event of her untimely death and sadly that came to pass yeah and that's your main mission right now that is my main mission. I, I'm, you know, the first week I got 24 hours of sleep in seven days. Oh I was actually gosh. tracking because I'd get like, wow, I'd sleep yeah. for like three hours and then I'd be up again and going. And then I'd sleep maybe for four hours. And I, now I get maybe six hours a night, which is fine. So I need yes. a minimum of six yes. <laughs> to be more effective. But um, that is my, my focus right now is that we need to get the fundraising so that we can make sure that we you know, do everything that she wanted to keep it going and we will keep it going. Well, I, I hope we can help. If there is anything we can do to help, please let us know. And if you would maybe, I'm sure this is going to go through phases where you get something accomplished or you hit a wall or, you know, you can get back to the work of educating people and spreading the word and doing research and everything. So when you're ready to come back and yeah. give us an update, let us know, consider us part of your. Um, oh, thank you. Know, you. Thank you. Cover. Yeah, I definitely that will happen because there. I mean, there's parts, you know, that I have to be very careful about right now because we're in the middle of it. Um, but there will be updates at some point. I feel like I'm going to have to write a book, which is another thing that I've always thought of, but you know, it's like an overwhelming yep. <laughs> task that, but now I'm like, Oh my God. Now I almost, when this all started to unfold, I was like, I need to keep notes because yeah, you know, there's a lot, time. a lot of moving parts and her story will be told. Write your notes. And maybe somebody, if you get enough support, somebody can help write it and you can, yeah. you can continue to do your work. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Well, it was such a pleasure talking to you, Tina. And um, so learntherisk.org yes. is the best place to go. Yeah, and and it's got a donate button, which is not GoFundMe. Anyway. Correct. <laughs> we'll get funding. I will never use GoFundMe again. And I That's knew better. But I, was, says. I, yeah. I was tired in the moment that I did that. And I knew better. I knew because I had already seen other, you know, Dan Dix had one taken down not that long ago. I knew not to use them. But in my tired state, I made the mistake. But that was, that actually revealed things as well. There you go. True colors shined through that by that happening, you know. So yep. I think everything happens for a reason. And I won't well, give we're up. We're all learning to get off big tech. 
I'll tell you that. Yeah. And that is part of that. All right, Tina, such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Tina. Bye.